Hello, and I'm David C. Jones, and this is Alive and Engaged. This is the podcast about speaking out and looking in. In today's episode, and like all of our episodes, I'm going to talk about some of my experiences about being a public speaker and an MC and host around the world in a variety of different locations. What I've learned, what I could share with you, and then more importantly, we will have a special guest on and we'll talk about how to maybe fine-tune our insides, not physically, maybe spiritually or emotionally, how to get the brain working or the intuition working in a different way. In today's episode, we have Arnold Smith, the Chief Visionary of Connection Apps, Inc. So we'll be back with all that in just a moment. Now, I've been an MC for a variety of events since about 1990, and I've received a lot of great advice as to what to do and how to do it well. Also, through experience, I've discovered, well, some experience is bad, uh, but what works 85% of the time and what doesn't work 95% of the time. I have hosted TV shows, rock concerts, and in countries around the world. I've worked and presented in front of soldiers in war zones, management teams in boardrooms, and from the top of the Swiss Alps to Sunset Beach in Vancouver. I have been almost everywhere. In fact, if you have a place that I have not been to, please hire me and I will come and be there. Uh, One of the things that I get praised about is that I adapt my persona and my energy so that I can complement the occasion. I have been repeatedly asked back to MC events for children, for Buddhists, and for rubber enthusiasts, even though I am not any of those things personally. So I just have sort of a, a strong sense of occasion. So over the years, I've developed different rules and uh, things that work as an MC. And today's rule, I call my rule number one, because it's the first rule, is being celebratory. Big thing that's really important to know about being a host is the host is not the show. The show is the show. The host of a show serves two main functions. They celebrate the audience by keeping them informed as to what's going on and what is expected of them. And they have to get the audience's energy level to the right place so that they can properly celebrate the performers in the show and by being uh, receptive and enthusiastic to their response. There's nothing worse than a host who thinks the main reason people have come to the presentation was to see them. They have come for the main act or the headline or, or whatever the speaker's talking about. The host is merely a facilitator, a conduit between the audience and the main event. You should never, if you're hosting a show or speaking in front of people or introducing people, never turn it into the MC show. Do your job and get out of the way. That doesn't mean you don't have an important function, though, a very important function. This is also true in conversations and in life. No one likes a person who wants to be the center of attention all the time. Like in organized sports, you take the ball and then you pass the ball. Or so I've heard. I'm not really an organized sports guy. Whether you're the reason people are gathered or part of a group, the more you make it about them, the more they will enjoy the experience. People need to know what's expected of them and their participation. So much goes wrong when assumptions are made. The weird thing some people don't seem to realize is that everyone is not like them. Each of them have their own world and their own world view and their own needs. But it's not your job to meet them. You could just celebrate them. A good MC is a connector, and people tend to like people who show and help connect them to other people. A person who celebrates people is making other people look good. That's one of, actually one of the rules of improvisational comedy. There's many rules to the world of improvisational comedy, which I'm quite versed in, and that is make the other person look good. So look at the person, listen to them. Is there something about them that's worth acknowledging or celebrating? Make a sincere effort. So celebrate people because they are fascinating. 
ask clarifying questions and let them know that they're a great part of your day. I even, when I leave people, I text them afterwards saying, thank you for meeting with me and being with me. That might be too much. It might be annoying to get a text going, hey, we just talked. But I do it anyways. I think it's really important if you want to be successful in a conversation or successful at a meeting or successful as an MC, you know it's about them and not about you. We'll talk now with Arnold Smith after this break. And we're back. I'm David C. Jones, and this is Alive and Engaged in the studio. On the mic is Arnold Smith, Chief Visionary of Connection Apps, Inc. Hello. Hello. We've known each other off and on, sort of, not off and on. Don't, oh, don't say how long. Yeah, yeah. At least five years. At least five years. Maybe, because we've, maybe we've been, a lot longer. We've been aware of each other's existence. I don't think we've ever actually worked together, though. Did we? Were, were we ever... I don't, I don't think so. Yeah, no, no I, 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 I'm not sure if we're, are we actually met on stage. No, I think yeah. we're just aware of each other. But you are a pretty impressive guy. I mean, you were always impressive. <laughs> but now you're really impressive. Uh, <laughs> you've been uh, uh, doing uh, some speaking about people's bad habits and changing, the resistance to change. Uh, uh, how did the uh, how did this become so important to you? Why why that seems something like we all can benefit to break bad habits, but we also have a fear. We often come up with excuses as to oh I can't change it it's because of them because of that or because of my situation, and that could just be resistance as opposed to fact. So how did you get interested in this? Well, I think that you kind of just nailed it a little bit. Is oh, that okay. it's, it's so, yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, done. <laughs> But ultimately, you know, in life, you, I kept trying to have, make a better life for myself, mm-hmm. you know, and, and what I kept realizing is I'd run into this resistance or this uh, inability to change. I would learn some information. How, would, how, how did that manifest itself? Uh, in, in what way? Like, the resistance. Like, was it, did you have bad habits? Was it uh, laziness? Well, ultimately, you know, or, yeah. Or, I mean, it's uh, all of those things. But ultimately, I would just see that I wouldn't be getting the results that I want. So right. whether it be losing weight or earning more money or whatever the, the result that I was trying mm-hmm. to create, I would see that I would I'd be locked into a pattern again and again. And even though I would learn uh, something about fitness or eating, that I would say, okay, now I've got it. And right. it seems to work. And then after a while, months, weeks, whatever the time frame, I would notice that I would still be in the same place. Right. And I was really curious about that. I thought, why is this happening? Right. I mean, I'm a, I'm a smart guy. I'm motivated. I want to, you know, I've got all the information I need. How is it that I keep getting locked? Is there something wrong with me? Now, were, were you inspired about this? Because you're married and you have kids, mm-hmm. right? Was, was this something that happened before you got into a relationship and became a father? Or was this something, and, and this becoming a, a married and a father became a result <laughs> of this? Or was it when you were in the family situation that you started noticing this behavior that you wanted to change? Well, no, it was actually before that. Um, you know, I had a, a, a reasonably tough upbringing. My, my dad died when I was nine and my mom died when I was 17. Oh my goodness. And, um, and so obviously that created some challenges for me in terms of life and just not feeling great. But I, I really made this decision uh, or choice for myself that uh, on my 19th birthday, I said, you know what, if if I'm going to keep going in life, I want to live the left, uh, the best life possible. I just and the to, left, and the left life, life you know, like possible. Left That's life, right <laughs> life, just whatever is really there for me. <laughs> but ultimately, try and like live the life of my dreams is how I said to myself right. uh, at the time. And um, of course, I had no idea how to do that. 
right. you know, from this this sad 19 year old who was trying to figure out how to how to make a difference in the world. Um, and so it was really that was the kind of the start of that exploration. And of course, the, the first thing I thought is, well, become a rock star because that's, <laughs> you know, that's how you live a great life. Because well, you did some music. You're, well, I did, you're that's a kind of, singer, right? Well, yeah. And so I did what any sane person would do: is I called my friend who did musical theater, and I, and I thought, well, I'll take, I'll do musical theater because that's the direct path to being a rock star, of course. Work <laughs> <laughs> for Adam Lambert. Well, you know, the, it, I think he's more the exception well, than the rule. <laughs> it, it might be true. It might be true. But um, ultimately, it, it's where I found my love of singing. And I think in the course of life, I found that, you know, fame and money only has so much to. Um, it only has so much importance, and for me, as and it could be a bit of an illusion too. Absolutely, right? you and can I, get public accolades and stuff like that. The world of performers is littered with people who uh, are, have addiction problems and depression and stuff because it's fleeting. Mm-hmm. The audience applauds, and then they <laughs> they go home, and you're stuck with you still. Absolutely, and right. you know, and I think that there was at some point I made the transition. I can't remember exactly when, where. It wasn't fame and money that were going to be meaningful, but Mm -hmm. just happiness. And um, I remember uh, in my early 20s, I was was with some friends and they were like, hey, let's go to a movie. And I was like, I can't. I I, I literally had no money. I couldn't afford to go to a movie. And I was so depressed. I thought... Like an episode of Friends. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I was going for. (laughs) But I thought, you know, and I really kind of reflected on my life. And and I thought, you know, up to this point, I'd really worked on myself to be the kind of person that people wanted to be friends with, to be be happy with who I was. And so uh, I thought that even though I didn't have any money, what I did have was love. I had all these people who loved me and supported me me and i thought well that's a kind of wealth there's tons of people who have uh, everything and would trade it all for you know uh, uh, for friends for people that really care about them and so it it really was a moment of of realization for me where that was the foundation i just realized that it was happiness was the key so so i have a question about that though uh speaking from my own experiences like i i know that there are people in my world that uh, love me and care for me and i'm sure listeners can also agree to that but i don't know how to utilize that mm. do you know what i mean like uh uh it's one thing to say do you want to go see a movie but it's another thing to say i need some help yeah right absolutely so uh, how do how does how does someone leverage that or or do you leverage that or well, you know, it's really interesting because that's, um, uh, you know, we're jumping ahead now 30 years, but ultimately, oh, that's, no, no, it's perfect. <laughs> we were walking you through his life it's and I exactly, just jumped just to the fun. Jump, jump to the end. <laughs> but, you know, that was really where I saw, like, um, you know, one side I'd become the friend I wanted to be and, and got married and became the husband and then eventually the father. I thought, well, the next thing is, like, what is the difference I want to make in the world? How do mm-hmm. I... What is how, how? What do I want to do? That's next. I didn't want to live life and be like, you know, I could have done something, but I, you know, I just didn't really go for it. And so that became why I, I eventually built the app, and it was to, it was that thing that you just said. Right. People have the people that care about them. They have these social networks, but yet somehow we still are depressed. We're full of anxiety. We're right. still stressed. And how do you actually leverage those relationships so you can get out of that? And that, and it could also just be, well, I don't want to bother them or my problems might not be worthy of their attention. Like, I don't want to be a burden on them, right? So, I uh, know you talked about this app. Uh, you have the Connection Habits uh, app. Uh, uh, 
that's weird. <laughs> right. I'll just build an app. Yeah, it's true. It's true. People are not talking. What if I get them on their phones? I know. It, it seems counterintuitive, but ultimately, um, I just, I, I'm not sure whether to go back and just talk about what you said. I'm going to come to that okay. second question, but what you said is, about, is so true because when yeah. we are feeling anxiety or stressed, our, our instinct is to close, is yeah. to not reach out. And it's the exact opposite that we need. It is through our social interactions that it really lifts right. us up. Because otherwise, we, we build the walls and we don't get... The, every interaction between people is an exchange of energy. Right. And you really have an opportunity to elevate someone. And that was the, the research around the connection habits. How... What are actions proven by science to elevate mm -hmm. the physiology for yourself and for the person you're interacting with? And one study showed that even just going out, if, even if you didn't interact with people, if you're depressed or have high anxiety, just being in a room, like going out to a mm -hmm. coffee shop, tends to elevate your your feelings and make you feel better. Just right. being around just people. Just being around people. Yeah. yeah uh, so I'm going to sidetrack a little bit because this has probably happened in your life and mm. it's happened in my life. Uh, sometimes you are friends with people or making connection with people who it turns out they're a sociopath. Or it turns <laughs> out they have yeah. major mental problems. Or do you know what I mean? Like it, 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 that also, if you're if you're a person who's shy or or have it has whatever the crow on their shoulder saying nobody likes you mm -hmm. and then you go i'm going to reach out and i'm going to talk with this person and they suddenly bite your hand and you're like whoa well, see i shouldn't talk to people like is there anything in the connection app or any advice that you have about also recognizing people who are good for you and and how to get rid of people who are toxic or bad for you i think ultimately um that's an incredibly complex issue totally um but uh where i start with is your own habits you know what right. what is it that you can do because the reality is that when you're reaching out to be kind to someone when you're reaching out to support someone else you cannot be in a bad place like i can't express love for you or gratitude or share something successful with you and also be depressed at the same time that, that we can't mm -hmm. do that now i can share it with you and immediately go back right because that's just how we go in there but ultimately it's those moments when you can build in the habit of positivity especially when you're doing that for someone else it automatically puts you in that place it might not affect you like right. i could say you know david you are one of the kindest most generous people i've ever met the way you uh, bring people in and the, and the joy that you bring is i think just uh, and I, I think this is all true by the way oh thanks but, oh good <laughs> but, but ultimately i could say that to you and you could be oh yeah whatever yeah. and not be affected but i can't I just by saying that it elevates my physiology. So you feel good. So I feel good. Yeah. Now, so so this is what you talked about. So maybe the hand bites back to you, and and yeah. obviously that can be painful and all those kind yeah. of things. You got to deal with that. But it's about your habit of continuing and just being committed to um, to having the interaction you're having with the humans around you be uh, uh, making a, a deposit in their energy. I think uh, I, I don't. I mean to turn it again about me but i think i, I hear what you're saying i had a a, a friend who i was uh, who was in a social group with me and uh i was trying to be more social and i we bonded with this person a little bit and other people in the group warned me about them that they had a drinking problem and they will suddenly turn on you and i don't know if i went into this i will save them <laughs> right? <laughs> right i will be such a good friend that they will not yeah. do this but then when they turned and it was like 
at first it was painful and I was trying to defend myself and I didn't get where they were coming from and saying, okay, we need to meet in person. And then I started remembering, oh no, people warned me that this was going to be a habit with this person. Mm-hmm. So what I ended up doing was just showing them a lot of love, but also distancing myself from them and just going, okay, we're not we're like, and I didn't even say to him, we're not going to be friends anymore. I just stopped contacting them. Yeah. Right. So, and but I felt good that I was still being supportive of them. Yeah. And I think, so that, I guess, yeah. Well, and it's that balance, you know, I mean, ultimately it's really hard for people who are broken or who right. have, uh, have trauma that is unresolved, that is causing behavior. Um, it ultimately what's going to elevate them is that social connection, but mm-hmm. it's their behavior often has the effect of just pushing people away. Right. I mean, it's just because healthy people don't continue to put themselves in situations that are going to damage them right. where their heart is hurt. But it's, and so that's the, that's the real conundrum for compassionate people right. is um, if you want to reach out to help someone, right. um, but you, you, but you get damaged yourself how can you do that? Because ultimately you have to be uh, healthy yourself right. in order to make a difference for others. You can't can't pour from an empty teacup. Oh, nice. A teapot. Uh, yeah, or a teacup. If <laughs> yeah, you're just, well, yeah. like, you just get a little just, bit of just tea. Just half, half. Yeah. You just get, you get, we only have the one, you know, a little bit of tea left, so you get some of mine. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and to be fair, like, you know, I'd say like 90% of people are broken in some way mm-hmm. right um the uh, even when i MC for the buddhist festival i'm sure some of those monks are a little bit you know <laughs> whatever Absolutely. no i don't know i'm not saying i'm not, yeah, uh, all those monks i'll yeah. never do that i'll never do the gig <laughs> yeah, again oh no you're in trouble that's it the buddhists are gonna come after you yeah that, they're totally like that <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> very vengeful, very vengeful people <laughs> will remember you um but yeah, like everyone's a little bit damaged. So mm-hmm. it's, I think it's also having well, that coma- compassion of yeah. going, your damage mm-hmm. is your damage, my damage is my damage. Well, and, so, and the thing is, uh, sometimes their damage triggers your damage. Mm-hmm. And so then you just get into this loop. But it's interesting you talk about monks because ultimately, <laughs> uh, well, I always think it's well, interesting. <laughs> let's talk about monks. So Baby. trauma. <laughs> Um, mental health comes from integration. So there's kind of like the thinking part of your brain, the cerebral right. cortex, and then the 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 um, the feeling part of your body, all the sensations. And um, so uh, mental health is about integrating those two pieces. When you get burnt out and stressed and overwhelmed, mm-hmm. it because you're too thinking and you're not you're not feeling enough. You're not linking to the feeling part of your body. So like you know that moment when you're lying in bed and you can't shut your head up. Yeah, it's because you're, it's a lack of integration between the thinking and the feeling. You have to really get into your body, and so you know, deep breathing and meditation. That's how you can calm right. your brain. It's the same thing. It's the other lack of integration. The other way that causes um, phobias and um, and really the trauma. It's unresolved trauma. So when we have a trauma that we haven't really worked through, right, um, it can affect our behavior in the background, and it's completely subconscious. And that's where you get these activities. And oftentimes we we self-medicate and right. like, you know, with those things. And so, um, you know, most addiction is just simply, uh, people just managing is pain management, covering up the pain. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, another thing where we fall into is when we've had trauma mm. or have had something, this is something I've learned through years of therapy, uh, is yeah. sometimes we intellectually understand that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I had a, an abusive relationship or, oh, I had this problem and I get that. And it's like, well, no, you haven't really dealt with it. You haven't, 
you're intellectualizing mm-hmm. your understanding of it. But what what do you have to do to go beyond intellectualizing it? Sorry, I'm turning you no, into a complete perfect. counselor. No, it's great. Yeah, so that um, I, I love yeah. this conversation. I'm so yeah. obsessed with this because ultimately, again, it's kind of my own pursuit that's made me so curious about how do you? I mean, because obviously I had trauma in right. my youth. But it so it is about again, it's that integration, it's a habit. And this is the thing that we need to understand. Mm. Just because we have a moment of intellectual understanding of that trauma, we're still in the habit of having that affect our behavior. Right. And most people don't understand how long it takes to get rid of a habit. Now, re- research says, you know, 66 days on average. And that was from, I think, uh, uh, Philip Lally out of the University College of London did a study. And it was between you name days dropping. Two, I know, I don't know. <laughs> I'd probably get it wrong. Sorry, whoever actually did the research <laughs> but between 18 and 256 days for a habit well right. that's a massive range so no one can really tell you how long it takes to change a habit right. but it's way longer than you think now especially when it comes to a, a pattern of behavior a pattern of thought that mm-hmm. controls you i mean we think oh we know it but it's about dealing with that every single time for weeks maybe months maybe even a year of really dealing with that specific pattern of behavior. Well, and there's that thing, too, that, uh, like, okay, it happened, but it's behind you. Hmm. What are you doing now? What are you doing tomorrow? Right? Hmm. And I think that's part of it, too, is, like, you're talking about a habit. Your habit might be about dwelling on this thing, but it's there, and you're here. Mm -hmm. Right? So... Well, the, now we, I, I love this discussion, but we're getting really into like how how are our emotions made? Like what yeah. happens? And how I'll t- are they made? Well, let me, let me tell you. There's a wonderful book called How Emotions Are Made by a woman named Lisa Barrett Feldman. And she did, basically she's dispelled about 2,000 years of research on the idea that emotions happen to us. Right. That there is a um, an idea like there's an anger circuit in the brain that gets triggered. And this is when people are angry, they act like this. Like all that research, uh, we now are, are the science is pretty clear. There's still some argument there, but it's pretty clear that, that that's <laughs> not me. because now we can see what's actually happening in the brain. Because right. they were looking, they they spent she spent years saying, well, "Where is the anger circuit?" And so she would see you know, functional, you know, f- fMRIs, and they would see the brain, and and it didn't have a circuit. So what happens here is when when this trauma happens, we're actually just repeating a past instance. Mm. So, uh, and it really comes to our our how bad we are at. Um, naming what's actually happening inside us. So uh, we have had trauma in the past right. and there's a feeling that, ha- that happens. So it's in our bodies. Like literally it's like you can feel it in your chest. Your heart starts to beat. And what we do as humans is we look at and we say, oh, something's happening in my body and our brains automatically say, oh, I know this. This is overwhelming right. or this is stress or this is trauma. And so then we go, okay, now what's the trauma? Oh, this is this trauma coming back. And so it feels like it lives inside us, but we're actually just interpreting uh, um, our internal sensations and attaching it to the past experience and bringing it up. Is that that a little bit like... You know, our, our learning patterns, like when we, we touch fire, fire bad, it burns me. And then I'm yeah. near a hot thing and I go, oh, that's bad because I, I, I'm remembering when I burned myself. Like, yes, exactly. If, if, if we're in a, in, a, in a very toxic situation or something, uh, if we were younger and we were being abused or emotionally or physically, mm. and then we're in a situation that reminds us of that, 
we will jump right back into the trauma that happened when it happened. That's right. Even though this new situation might not be that situation at all. That's exactly right. Like a loud, like like people say from war torn countries, hearing a loud noise causes yeah. them to freak out because they're used to it being gunfire or bombs. Well, and that's stuff like right. That. Because that no, so our brains are just prediction machines. Like we yeah. don't process um, what's around us. In like we just go, oh, this is a window. I know what that is. There's there's very little brain activity that happens. Right. And so when we get that sensation, we just go, oh, this is that. And so and this is our our survival instinct to be as efficient as possible. That's our whole body is designed to be as efficient as possible. Right. And like really thinking, like if we were to process everything that was coming in, it takes a massive amount of resources, intellectual mm-hmm. resources and energy to do that. And so our brains are super efficient. And so what happens when we get that feeling, we say this is this. So I'm stressed is a really easy one that people say, oh, I'm so stressed. Oh, yeah. You know, but what happens when you say that word, every instance of stress comes up. Oh, your brain goes, oh, stress, because we attach um, an association with words. Right. And so we say, oh, I'm stressed. And now what you've told your brain to say, oh, stress, I know what I need to do. I need to get more cortisol. I need to make my heart beat faster. I need this. This is an emergency. We're stressed. We need to get some energy. Right. When in reality, that's probably not what's required just because, say, your boss walked into the room or I sit down at a microphone. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So you're way better off of uh, of being more granular in your interpretation of what's happening. Oh, wow. my heart's beating fast. I, I must be excited, you know, or right. that's, or just naming it in that way, because it's way different um, uh, to say I'm overwhelmed versus I'm nervous about the meeting today. Right. Because it's kind of the same feeling like you, you go out the door and you got this clench in the stomach. And right. I'm literally grabbing my stomach. So for all you viewers out there, you can't see us. I'm, I'm a very if, physical if person. That if you saw me, you, there'd be like a whole visual thing happening. Yeah. If you were watching this yeah. podcast, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but ultimately, there's this massive sensation happening. And when we can really name it, get on a more granular level, it the instance that comes uh-huh. up is different. So for mm-hmm. me... There's many times when I've been nervous about a meeting and been successful, right. but overwhelmed. What do you What do you do about that? Right. I'm overwhelmed. You know, it just and then so what happens? You get into this cycle, this repeating right. cycle. Stress hormones. The the stress response lasts between ninety seconds and two minutes. Right. Everything after that is self inflicted by your thoughts. Right. And your memories of yeah. how, how to respond Just in the what past you're thinking, or I'm how the, you responded yeah. oh, in the past. that person was a jerk. Right. And then, oh, yeah, he really, he really was a jerk. Right. And then you just, you know, why do they do that? I don't know why do they, they always do that. And then, boom, you're in this cycle. And you just keep, right. keep in that place. Here we go place. again. Yeah. Here we go again. Yeah. yeah I, I, I think we went on a tangent, but I think it was a good no, one. No, I thought it was a very, I, I've yeah. learned a lot. And it was very <laughs> fascinating. Uh, I just want you said something about the brain mm. and and because when I talked to you before you also you had another term for the brain which mm. was a meaning making machine oh the meaning making machine that's true yeah, yeah. your brain uh, no is that yours did you or did you oh read no that I, think in I, your I can't remember exactly where I found okay. that but ultimately I mean it's uh, it's in my pursuit of really understanding humans and reading right. books and articles and doing workshops and training and I really try and find like the the training out there that's the cutting edge in uh, in people development like right. as, how do you understand yourself right and so it really comes from you know research based act, you know 
That that book. Sorry, I'm going to jump back to something else that mm-hmm. you, you said. Uh, um, that book that you talked about. That the um, how uh, emotions uh, are made. How emotions are made. Mm-hmm. It reminded me a little bit about the book uh, Emotional Intelligence. Mm-hmm. Uh, Goldman, I think, is uh, yeah. Coleman. I think uh, I can't name drop nearly as well as you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, well, I think I read that some, more recently. Yeah, so. <laughs> some guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I, what I remember from reading that book was that uh, yeah we. We have witness and experiences and, at changing our emotions. Like if we're walking down a dark street mm-hmm. and we start to get nervous and we go, no, calm down. And we know that we can do that. Yet sometimes when we feel emotions, we go, I'm a victim of my emotions. Like, yes. well, no, you have shown that you have the ability to control them. That's right. Why do you think you now are a victim of them? They're not right. something that physically overtakes your body. That's like you said, you are choosing Mm-hmm. to let it take overtake your body but it doesn't feel that way of course and this no, is the heart like you get you some you know i mean if if it if that didn't feel that way i would never yell at my kids right. or be a, a jerk to my wife you know right. like I, like why would in my best self right i'm never gonna hurt the people i love and yet i find myself snapping at my kids for being late or you know what and it's being loud because this is the human condition i think this is where i find you can find a lot of compassion for people so much of our behavior we we do have a choice but it's also so hard to just manage our like it just happens so quickly and you go Mm -hmm. oh but it's i think it's what you do after that where you really you know like you understand that I lost, uh, I lost control, or I, I had an automatic response based on my trauma and damage right. of all the, you know, and and whatever I got triggered. My humanness. And to say, my humanness. Yeah. You know, and I think that ultimately this is where I would love for more people to go to is that uh, we're all we all have trauma and effect. Nobody's. I don't think anybody's really doing this on purpose. I don't I, like evil is a is kind of. Like, I don't think people are like, I want to hurt you. They get yeah. really just. Like a lack of love inside, a lack of an ability to really um, know themselves. Or a fear of it, too. Like love's coming yeah, up and they fear. go, no, 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 no. And so they, mm-hmm. they push it away. Well, and fear is such a big um, uh, influence on our activity. Yeah. Way more so than, I mean, don't challenge my identity. Don't challenge yeah. who I am. That's like fear uh, operates uh, so much of our decisions. And it's a wonderful approach when you come up with a decision and say, is this a fear-based decision? Right. Or is this a decision based on faith? Right. And it's amazing when you bring it in that context. If, if you make more faith-based decisions, you can move your life forward. But fear-based decisions often stop you from moving forward. Now, and by faith-based, you're not talking about God necessarily. No. You're talking Just, about I, faith I, in I yourself. I believe it's going to work out. I be, right. The, I, I have, I'm assuming positive intent. Uh, yeah. A faith is, uh, is the belief in something for which there is no proof. Okay. I got that. Okay. That yeah. makes sense. So um, is this person going to break my heart? Mm-hmm. Or, well, maybe, so uh, I'm afraid I'm not going to go with them. Or, no, actually, I think it's going to work. I'm going to have faith that this time it's going to work out. Otherwise, like, you, you get you get stuck. The, the, I read something a while ago that was, uh, uh, you have no guarantee that you're going to live through the night. Yet you yeah. set the alarm in the morning. So you have faith <laughs> that you will live through the night. Chances right. are. We, we, like, it, with make, luck. I'm yeah. going to make it through the night. I believe I will. Yeah, it's true. Right. right. Uh, uh, well, this, let's segue this into the connection app then, mm. because you have this app. I have it on my phone. Um, um, the um, you 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 think one of the biggest things that will help people or is, is human connection mm-hmm. is, is is getting more people into your life 
and reaching out as opposed to, I guess, sitting home and watching TV or playing video games or, mm-hmm. you know, touching yourself or self-medicating <laughs> yourself. Nothing wrong with any of those Nothing things. Nothing wrong with any of that. Uh, right. Yeah. But you also need connection. Yeah. And so uh, explain a little bit how you research connection habits and and. Was this just all the books you read and then you surmised these are the things that have to happen? Like, explain your, yeah, yeah, explain your app. Yes, Justify yes, yourself. Yes sir. <laughs> yes, sir, I will. I think ultimately, you know, when I looked at um, what I wanted to give to the world, I looked at, well, what am I good at? And mm-hmm. I felt like my relationship with my wife is, is my, my greatest sources of joy. And right. it was always, for me, I look around and I would see people in relationships that were mostly okay. Right. And to me, I thought that was a bit of a, a tragedy. You're like, I'm winning. Well, yeah, well, no, but ultimately I thought, yeah, it just gave me so much joy and I wanted that for people. I thought, how can I make that difference? And an interesting stat, it used, uh, uh, psychologists used to think that relationships went through this pattern, like this kind of honeymoon phase where it was high energy and you just felt like, oh, oh we're yeah. so crazy about each other. Then we went into this companion phase right. where we just became friends and life partners and things worked. And then, that then for the, the seven-year itch. The seven-year itch. Um <laughs> But they found that there's actually a small percentage of couples that actually maintain their honeymoon phase for their entire relationship. Right. And so for me, I was like, wow, I want that. How do you do that? <laughs> and, you know, I felt like things were going great. But then, of course, kids came along. First kid or first child, I call them kids. Kids are goats, by the way. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you first, have goats? <laughs> <laughs> um, first, first child came along. We kind of worked it out. But this, by the second time, I thought, oh, look, I, this this relationship for which I'd relied so heavily on for support uh-huh. and for joy uh, was under strain. And, it, and uh-huh. uh, it is the hardest time of any relationship when you have kids because so much of your attention needs to go to these little ones who literally won't survive without you. Right. And so your par- attention is no longer on your partner so, necessarily. Exactly. And so um, this is when I thought, well, what are the we don't have more time. I haven't met people. There's very few people they meet. You go like, wow, I've got so much time. I just wish I could fill the time. Most people who have, you know, kids and jobs and, you know, lives and, and friends, mm-hmm. they're not like, oh, I, I have so much time. I can just fit everything in. You talk to retired people. They're like, I've never been so busy since I've been retired because they start filling their life with things that they enjoy. Yeah. So we don't have, an, we don't have more time. So quality time, of course, is one of the best things you can do for your relationship. But if you don't have quality time, what do you do? And that was kind of the nugget for the research. What are the actions that are like easy? And as a guy, I'm like action oriented. How can I like be vulnerable, talk about your feelings? Like, those things, those instructions were difficult for me. You know, like, well, I'm feeling sad. <laughs> like, this, this, great. I talked about my feelings, but it didn't create the result I wanted, which was to feel more connected. Right. And so this was the thing. Well, what, what does make people feel connected? What ultimately can you do? And it's the difference. And so there's this, what I call it now is interpersonal mindfulness. And I'm not sure if that's my phrase. I think it's kind of out there in the world, right. but it just, well, mindfulness being, has been around. Yeah. Those, but, but so it's about really being mindful of the quality of the interaction you're having with people. Right. And you can be together but there's an element like, and so the connection habits were, what am I doing in my relationship that's working? And can I do more of that? And um, I, I tried to use the triple S test. And so... The uh, triple S test? I know. Well, I, <laughs> Go on. Obviously, <laughs> obviously, obviously, I've done a bit of marketing, so I, I, you know, names are good. But so the triple S test was self, 
I believed in it personally. There's social proof for it. Right. And there's scientific proof. There's really oh. quality research that showed that these actions. And so that was where the, that was the test I used for the connection habits. And so okay. the connection habits uh, was one of them is appreciation, which is really simply saying thank you for what people do. One of the biggest reasons why relationships end is because people feel taken or uh, taken for granted. Take, yeah. And so it's a simple thing to do. But of course, when you've been doing it for each other for years, thank, saying thank you for doing the dishes seems, well, I, I did that last week and the week before that and the week before that. Right. But we forget that actually that ongoing appreciation is actually a daily thing. But then we also have expressing gratitude, which is very similar to appreciation. These are the two habits that are the most similar. But yeah. expressing gratitude is saying thank you to, for people, to, uh, to people for who they are and how they do things. Right. So you can say thank you to your wife for doing the dishes. But who is she that right. she always does the dishes? Right. That she, you know, thank you. So you can say thank you for uh, making our lives work. Right. Thank you for always doing the dishes with, you know, with never making me feel bad about it or, or with joy. Right. Or, and there's a, there's a much more lasting impact to that level of thank you because you're not thanking them for that one thing that comes and goes. You're thanking them for something that is lasting in them. And there's... There's one thing in relationships that every healthy relationship has. So there was this research, I can't remember his name, but he, he looked at 477 studies on compatibility mm -hmm. to try and figure out what is the common thread for relationships that last. Mm -hmm. And the one thing he found was they, they never stop seeing their partner as a catch. They never stop seeing the good qualities of the right. partner. And it's not that they were any better. It's not that they, well, there's like the secret formula for you got to find the right person. Everybody's got their pros and cons. It's just they chose to be present right. to the good qualities. It, and that's, that's, so that's, the, that's the secret. I, I, that's like what I was saying at the beginning about uh, when you're a host, you should be celebrating people and, and always treat them as they're fascinating and mm -hmm. that, that aren't we lucky they're here because um, people are incredibly fascinating. And, yeah. Uh, uh, when we do team building, we talk about finding the value in other people. Yes, right? exactly. And, and knowing that everyone has value. It may not be obvious to you right away, or mm -hmm. they might be triggering something in you, but you have to quickly go, wait, no, what value are they bringing to the situation? Yeah. Even yeah. A, a contradictory viewpoint. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously, uh, um, if you have everybody always thinks the same, then you don't get innovation. Totally. Well, there's that analogy of uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, an oyster when it gets a little grit in it. Yeah. It makes um, a pearl. Yeah. Right. So when you have a situation where people are conflicting a little bit or having a little bit of difficulty, they're probably going to come up with something pretty awesome. Uh, totally. Right. And it, it, as long as you don't let that friction uh, or uh, a grit cause, uh, you know, stop, stop you. Yeah. Like to be in that generous place, that curious place. Nice. But so one of the other connection habits is, uh, you know, apropos to the theme today is sharing success and celebrating. Right. So in a relationship, it is so common for us to get together. You come home and you talk about what didn't go well. What is, and so you get into this habit of talking about your failures right. instead of being present to what's successful. And so one of the things that they've seen in research is successful couples actually say uh, regularly, hey, this is good. This is what's good about what's happening mm. now. Or they celebrate uh, what is good about the relationship. And so um, that, I mean, it's, it's amazing if you want to change someone's um, physiology, 
you simply ask them, hey, what, what was uh, great about your day? Right. And it's amazing. Most people answer like this. Try it. You know, everybody out there who's listening, try this. You, it'll go like this. Oh, well, they might say something trite like, well, I woke up today. You know, like they'll say, <laughs> but if you actually, alive. no, no, really, what was most successful about your morning? Then they'll go like, well, let me think. Well, mm-hmm. I, I guess I went on a bike ride with my kids this morning, but it's so not automatic for us to actually think about what We're went for well this morning. We're yeah. just so caught up. And well, so you, and you'll see their body change. Like yeah. they'll go stressed and they'll, their shoulders relax. They'll kind of sigh. They'll kind yeah. of, their, their face will light up a bit. It's amazing to see it. I, I heard something and we're digressing again. We'll have to be mindful of the time, but, mm. uh, 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 also a lot of careers, a lot of jobs are about looking for problems. Yes, right? absolutely. And so you, if you spend yeah. eight hours a day working and your work is about looking for problems, about problem solving, um, by recognizing them, then it might bleed into your regular life. So you come in and you're looking for problems. You're looking for uh, talking about miserable things. Absolutely. And, and, well, and that's and, and neurons that fire together wire together. You you wire your brain through what you do. Like right. that. So that's exactly right. And yeah. the nature of work often wires your brain for negativity. Not all yeah. the time, but most jobs. Are a about, lot of them do. Yeah. You know, how can I do it better? Yeah. You know, like that's a you know even kaizen constant improvement requires you to see what am I doing that can't be and so being in that place and so it is it requires a a counter habit of in this situation when I interact with people I get a triggered for this new response which is what's going well what's positive what 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 kind of positivity can I have so even though your brain might be wired for work in one way uh, habits work from a cue and routine and reward Mm -hmm. so ultimately the if the cue is when I'm with my partner Mm-hmm. Um, that the routine is I search for positivity. Right. So you can have both, but it needs to be a, a habit. Otherwise, it doesn't work. Right, right, right. That's like um, when you're giving feedback, uh, sandwich it. Here's something that you did great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Here's something that you need to improve. And here's another thing you did great. Yeah. Right. So. Well, and uh, the Gottman Institute has been observing uh, relationships for 40 years. And My I love goodness. Uh, Was it just one relationship? Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> Please get out of our house. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think like, yeah, these people. Come on, hi, babe. Um, but what I love their premise, they didn't come at it with trying to prove anything. They just said, what Let's do couples just see what do? Happens. Like what, yeah. like, and so they recorded them and they looked at that. But one of the things they found is healthy relationships have an average of five positive interactions for every one negative interaction. Mm. Five to one. And that's the way our brains work. We give way more weight to something negative that happens. Mm-hmm. And so in unhealthy relationships, you have like a 0.8 uh, healthy to one uh, unhealthy or negative right. and so and in between is kind of meh and so right. this is why again these little moments of positivity when you build them throughout your day nice texts of the day that's what makes all the difference because then you're elevating that positivity so that you're going into that place because there's a very big difference between knowing someone loves you yeah. and actually feeling yeah. love and experiencing love and that's what i want to help people with nice i i recently sent an email to a, a person who works at our uh, office where I teach just saying because normally I'm emailing saying I need this I need mm-hmm. that I need this and I just sent an email just saying hey I just want to send an email saying thank you for everything that you do and uh, 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 you know you're making a big difference and so I just wanted to take this email is only to thank you yeah uh, and he was blown away by that because yeah. he doesn't get anything that acknowledges what he's he mm-hmm. sometimes people will say thank you for the thing yeah but 
Yeah. When he gets an email, I'm sure it's like, oh, here's another request. Yeah. And I was like, this email isn't a request. It's Yeah. Well, if you want to differentiate yourself in your career, be really good at thanking people, at recognizing the value in people yeah. and thanking for them. People will love you. And, and they'll want that you'll you'll get your I mean, but again, research show I'm a research geek. But research <laughs> shows that when you when people have these positives, that they get they raise uh, their money faster. I can't I think of the word. They get promoted faster right. and they you know, they raise the ranks and so the and they get and they get jobs get and keep jobs so i always try to mail thank you cards because most people uh, don't get mail no that's right fantastic, and yeah. I, I have a little stack of cards and i do it i think it's because when martha stewart yeah. had her own apprentice series remember she had a, a series for one season mm-hmm. and she always ended each episode writing the person she just fired she wrote them a thank you card and i went <laughs> what a great idea but i don't fire anyone i just send them a thank you card saying thank you so much like, Thankfully, my I'm, I wish I was that organized. My wife is that way. She's always and she's yeah. always so. But uh, the sad thing, she's always so stressed about it. She's like, oh, I got to write thank you cards. I'm like, <laughs> can you just have a little joy here? You're being so amazing, you know. Just like you know, but she, you know, or it's, do it it's later. Hard. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's not. Well, you thank know. you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so just really quickly, tell yeah. me uh, uh, if I if I downloaded the app, what am I going to see on there? What uh, yeah. give me give me three examples of what people would see when they download the Connection Habits app sure, at yeah. your Apple Store on. Or, uh, or Apple, you, Google Play, yeah. Google Play, your favorite, yeah. your, your favorite app store, your favorite app. Um, store. Well, ultimately, it's about uh, it, we let, help people teach them what are the connection habits. So, after the research, did so there's seven. Um, there's two apps. One is called the Connection App for couples, right. and then there's the Connection App. And so, in the Connection App, um, we replace. Uh, so, obviously, in a relationship, a, a romantic relationship, communicating love through touch is very right. important. But we found that to be problematic in the workplace. <laughs> and so, let me just give you a shoulder rub. Yeah, what? How did I get why, fired? <laughs> why is this? How is happening to me? Um, so, we replaced that with acts of service in the Connection App, and so that's the, what we use for uh, for right. when we work with teams or organizations to. Improve their culture. Now, with the couples one, do you have like a gender non-specific? Because of course, there's a lot of same-sex couples and stuff like that. Or do you? Uh, have, there's or a. Or can you change yeah. change the photo if like yeah, you, know, no, you have a cover you can, page like you can have, to, Yeah, I mean, uh, we're we have there's um we try and do that as much as possible, but yeah. we're still an we're still a startup company, so you know, right. We actually have a whole another section, and we'd like to be able to have. Uh, so one of the functionality would be to say what kind of relationship are you in, so that um, the images Things that you get t- are more aligned. Yeah. Right, right, because yeah, there so are that, graphics that come. Yeah, up and you know. So, so, uh, so hopefully it's uh, we, we hope the graphics we did choose do have a lot of that you know sort of hetero um, uh, style relationships but, right uh, but ultimately there's also just relation you know just love you know uh, do hand holding but ex- you can't ex- see the fingernails that's right, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. so, uh, so know, what am I going to see if I, I download the yeah. app and I open it up what's going to happen to me um, so there's a, a challenge specifically so you're going to do one of the connection habits each day so uh, one of the reasons why I built the app is because as a consultant I saw that we would give all this great information to people people mm-hmm. but then they would fail in the implementation stage and implementation or changing behavior a it takes a long time and it's really expensive if you want to hire a coach or consultant mm-hmm. ultimately it's worth it though because if you're an organization and you can make your workforce uh, change their behavior and improve sales by 50 percent of course you're going to spend that money because it might be worth millions of dollars for you down the road but how for so many how how can i make that more accessible because the best way to change your behavior is to have a coach you check in with or a therapist or you know to really have that ongoing 
how, how did, where am I now? How did I do? What do I need to go next? And right. kind of that process of, of checking in. But so I tried to duplicate that in the app. So the right. app is designed to help you change your behavior. You, you rate your practice each day. Right. And it's one of the best ways. So even if you didn't do the action this day when you're trying to change, but you think about it and you think how you did, that process helps to wire your brain. Because right. the, the thinking about it and the doing it are actually the same for your brain. It's your brain doesn't know the difference. So then you, you can earn some points and you kind of get some, you get some celebration. So I asked the people to do two things so they get um they get a note in the morning that says this is the habit that you're working on today mm-hmm. then at the end of the day you get a reminder that says okay hey how it's time to rate your practice how did you do right and then i also ask people to write a short celebration right. because ultimately how the brain works is um you want the habit to have a bit of reward right but if i i started with asking people for a reflection Right. But I noticed for myself that any time I reflected on what I did, it was always like, well, I could have done this better. Right. Right. And ultimately, what happens is you get this micro dose of negativity attached to the new habit, which makes it go slower. It takes it longer for you to do it. But if you can attach a micro dose of positivity, what was good? about your your habit right. today it, what can you celebrate you know even if it was you know what i did my celebration right i did my um uh, rating today and ultimately it's keeping that the habit attached to a, a positive, positive outcome that's and so that important would, yeah, yeah. yeah that's so important to go uh what did work mm-hmm. what 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 was what was the takeaway that you're happy about absolutely yeah. yeah yeah oh i love that so uh people can find the app at their favorite app stores yeah. and and yeah. you are also available for speaks or talks yeah well or... one of my favorite presentations is to uh, to talk to people about um uh, mental health and really how interpersonal mindfulness is a path to uh, reducing overwhelm and stress especially in the workplace yeah. and then um you know if they want to use the, the app to help implement that and do challenges because nice. i try and make it fun ultimately one of the ways that we hack uh, or avoid um uh, the brain's natural resistance to change is to make it a game, to make it fun. Nice. We rarely associate um, danger with a game. Right. So if we say, hey, you know, we're going to, ch- I want you to change your habits. You go, whoa, 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 hey, hey, I want you to play a game which is about like, can we do more fun social yeah. interactions? Like, okay. Well, that's because also some people are very objective oriented, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I know that from back uh, when I used to do a lot of corporate uh, entertainment and corporate training. Yeah. And it was like, well, you have to make them so they can win a prize. And it's like, well, why? It's like, well, some people will only do it if there's an objective. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, they, if you go, it's just good for you, they say, Sometimes go, hmm, well, whatever. I'm going to yeah. watch TV. Right. But if you go, here's, here's the objective yeah. that you have to achieve. And I'll, I'll put it out there. If, you, uh, if you're an organization that works with people who, uh, you know, whether developmental disabilities or addictions or just disadvantage in any way, I really am happy to um, offer the connection app, the paid version of the app for, for free to just work with your community. So if you're mm-hmm. um, out there and you're working with a community that's disadvantaged and that they think it might help, reach out to me. I'm more than happy to explore that. So we got to go find you, Arnold Let's Smith. Go with, yeah, and yeah. that's Arnold with an R. R-N-O-L-D. Yeah, I was I named after my grandfather who didn't like the way his signature looked with an a and so i'm arnold without the a which makes me easy to find on the internet because you're like one of the only ones yeah that's right, right. yeah nice. so all those old theater pictures you know ultimately you know like i guess they survive you know nice. in my corporate life nice well thank you so much uh, this is the very first episode of alive and engage uh this new 
podcast. So thank you for being my very first guest. It's an honor. Uh, 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 our rule number one today about being a public speaker or being an MC was celebration and be celebratory about the other people. And I celebrate you and also compliment what a nice shirt you have but, I, but i'm not gonna say you're pretty <laughs> well i think you're pretty i thought why well, I, I think i'm in big trouble in life because i i like telling people I, they're pretty I, you know? I, I was just i was just oh someone just told me that recently a, a lady yeah. told me that saying that uh, you, you got to be careful with that word i oh, know yeah. i think it's true and i think ultimately yeah. if you want to give the best compliment one of the the other habits is acknowledging the positive which is also compliments yeah and it's the more specific you can get the the actually better so when you mm -hmm. do say you know i love the way your hair is or the color right. of your hair or your eyes really pop or the, whatever that, it is that color on you yeah looks you know fantastic. like that, yeah. the way you, that you're, you're going to get a better impact on that compliment anyway rather, um, than, generic, rather than just pretty. the generic you're pretty or you look good well so i i agree with that to a certain extent but i there you, you know i mean <laughs> well, what's wrong with pretty <laughs> on the next episode uh we're gonna have andrea lowen uh, speaking about um, changing a depression to happiness, the pursuit of happiness. Uh, so until then, I'm David C. Jones, and this has been Alive and Engaged. <laughs>